It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. Or maybe not. Good evening, race fans, and welcome to another two hours of motorsports conversation here on the Performance Motorsports Network. No, I am not Tom Baker. Tom is actually off as we prepare to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday, but we still have a lot to get to and a lot to talk about here on the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport. My name is Jacob Seelman, the managing editor at RaceChaserOnline.com and Tom's usual partner in crime on this program, joined at the roundtable by Race Chaser Online analysts Hunter Smith, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza, and Kyle Souza as we get set to start this show talking all things short track with a little bit of Thanksgiving flair. And I'm actually going to go to Kyle to start this show because, well, New England got repped very proudly over the weekend in regards to Ryan Priest, his run in the NASCAR Xfinity Series finale at Homestead Miami Speedway, and, well, maybe how he handled a little bit of contact with Elliott Sadler in the closing laps of that race. Another big boon for the modified community with Priest doing what he does. That's four top fives in four starts. And, well, the bump heard round the racing world. So your take on Ryan versus Elliott Sadler and how big this is going into a 2018 season where we're going to see him at least for 10 races next year in the Xfinity Series. My thoughts, this is a really big way to end it. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we had talked on last week's show about Ryan and the way that we thought this 10-race deal for next year was going to really put him on the map. Well, I think he put himself on the map being that race on Saturday afternoon there at Homestead Miami Speedway. I think by now the fans listening know that he and, he and Elliot Sadler got together while Sadler and Byron were racing for the championship in the final 10 or so laps of that race. Priest got hit from behind, uh, got sideways, was able to collect it. First of all, Jacob, my take on the whole situation, uh, if you haven't read it, racechaseronline.com put up a column earlier this week saying that Priest is only playing by NASCAR's rules. You know, they have that 100% rule. Uh, they want you to race every lap as hard as you can. Joe Gibbs wants Ryan to race every lap as hard as he can and go for every single position. My take in it, Priest was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but he personally did nothing wrong. And I don't think Elliot Sadler did anything wrong in that situation either. I think the two of them were racing hard. Racing contact was made. Priest able to save the car. I know it hurt Elliot's chances at the championship, but frankly, from what I could see, Byron was clear and gone, and there was only a couple laps left in that race. I don't think Elliott was going to be able to get back to Byron and challenge him. Uh, you know, for Priest, I guess not necessarily the way he wanted to put himself higher up on the map and the radar. But, Jacob, this is a great way for him to, to showcase that he's there. You know, the little bit of a uh, verbal tussle on pit road was enough to, to show people again, here's Ryan Priest, and he's kind of here to stay at this point. Yeah, he is. And Hunter, I'm going to come to you now. This, I think, like Kyle says, not the way that Priest wanted to be in the spotlight. But let's be clear. I think Ryan Priest earned a lot of points from a lot of people over the weekend by standing his ground and affirming that, hey, Joe Gibbs is paying me and bringing me here to do a job. 
I'm going out there and doing that job. I think sometimes we forget in this new Championship 4 format, it's not just a championship game where only the guys fighting for the crown are eligible. There's still 36 guys, of which Priest was one of them on Saturday, out there for their own interests, for their own betterment. And I like Ryan standing his ground here. I think he needed to stand up for himself. He did that, and it's a big statement going forward of, hey, you know, I'm going to race you the same as I do anybody else because this is my track too. No, and I 100% I agree with you there, Jacob. It's he goes. It's this is just like any any unlike any other sport where you have a playoff system and you have two teams dwindles down to two teams at the end. They play in the Super Bowl or they play in the World Series or something like that. This is different. It's we have 40 teams go out there, eight of them or four of them maybe running for a championship, and then it, it, you still have all the other cars out there. So that whole factor of I still want to win a race. Priest is still. I'm sure Priest wants to run a full season in that car. He has to go out there. He has to show up for sponsors, show up for fans, build a fan base, all that kind of stuff. So he he did exactly what he had to do. He ran his race. He was running he like you said before, four top fives and four starts. That's an amazing, you know, feat to come out in his first season with Gibbs and only run a limited schedule. So I completely agree with everything he did. And the tussle on pit road, okay, we get it. Everybody was, you know, upset. Somebody lost a championship over it. But Priest was also in a championship battle somewhat, too, with the owner's championship. We can't forget that. That was also a factor in there, too. Granted, we can make the same argument that Sadler wasn't going to catch Byron uh, or, you know, Priest wasn't going to catch Sam Hornish to, to win that championship either. So a racing deal, but no, Priest did exactly what he had to do, and I admire his attitude towards the whole situation. Yeah, Rents, we talked a little bit about this on the Motorsports Madness show earlier in the week here on PMN, and I go back to that, and uh, one of our other analysts, Steve Ovens, was defending Elliot Sadler, uh, one of the very few on that island, uh, in, saying that Priest had nothing to fight for. Absolutely, Priest had something to fight for. You look at this, and yep. you figure that uh, second in the owner's championship certainly pays more than third does. It still means a lot to these teams, and like we said off the top, Ryan Priest was hired by Joe Gibbs Racing to do a job get the best finish yep, he can exactly he went out there and did that yeah no totally exactly 100 percent correct ryan priest is a guy that races in the modified series as his full-time gig people seem to forget that he runs in the modified series and has had limited runs in a in, in an xfinity car for joe gibbs racing let me just say first and foremost ryan priest in the in the modified series does not get the same money that he would be getting if he were going to run Xfinity. And the Modified Series does not get the same attention that the other three series get in terms of television, radio, albeit, you know, merchandise sales, not the same sort of, you know, crowd and fan base. Elliot Sadler straight choked away the, the championship like he always does. And Ouch. I will say that again and again and again. He had the race and he had the championship. All he had to do was get by the 18. The 9 got by the 18. How come the 1 couldn't get by the 18? He said that he got pinched. I'm sorry. You have three other lanes of racetrack to use. Elliot, you're complaining about nothing. I understand that you're frustrated, and frustration can lead to certain things. But you choked away the title like you always do for the fourth time in seven years, and I have literally – I don't feel any sympathy for Elliot Sadler because he could have done everything in his power – to get the job done, Jacob. Well, you know, I, I'm going to tag in there, and I think uh, I, I, I mirror what I echo what you say. That 
the thing that really you know bugged me about the situation on Saturday was the fact that Byron drove by Sadler at the end of that race and won himself the championship. So, you know, the 18 in the picture, obviously, but the nine still had to go by the one. And then he went by Priest as well. So I think at that point, the car maybe for Byron was just handled a little bit better. And then after watching the conclusion of Sunday's championship race as well, you know, I saw Sadler's tweet. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned that yet, but Sadler saying, you know, he appreciated uh, the respect that Kyle Larson showed Truex and Kyle Busch at the end of that race Sunday. I think that's a different situation. Personally, I I don't know. I I am extremely disappointed personally in Kyle Larson that he didn't try to win that race. It was evident to me that Larson had the car to win that race, was faster than the two of them and whiffed to let them battle, which in one way I get. Larson's got a commitment to his sponsors and his team to go out there and win the final race of the season. And after four or five DNFs in a row, I think he deserved, his team deserved to win that race if they had the car to win that race. And that that's a whole other aspect of this that I'm a little bit confused about, Hunter. I 100% agree with that. That was such a disappointment. It, you have this car, you could visibly see it. He's going at it, and he, he has the car to go out and pass Kyle, pass Martin even. I think he could have run him down, but he just kind of let them battle, and I think that goes against the 100% rule we, we talk about. Like, that's such – like I said, it was just like to see a driver that goes out there every week, run hard, run hard, and have such bad luck over the past four weeks and have a chance at it, it's so disappointing. You see him not even really even try. Just kind of sandbag back. So, and, and that's not a driver we see do that that often. So, um, Oh, hang on a minute there, Hunter. I, I'll snag in on this. I don't believe for a minute that Kyle sandbagged off of it. I think there's a part of a driver's mentality, and these guys were warned in Sunday's driver's meeting, go out, race hard, race to win, but don't affect the championship battle in a way that would be, I think the word was meaningful, was the word that I heard used. And I want to add in on the 4DNF's point, I think there comes a point if you're Kyle Larson where you know you have a car that can win the race, but you have to flirt with the edge of disaster like he was doing to try and get to the back bumper and get around the two guys ahead of him. And I think Larson, in combination, A, wanted to finish the race, and B, I think he knew that because those guys were racing for something bigger, they were probably going to take more risk in a way to make sure that Larson did not affect that championship fight. And I think you saw that realization in the end when Kyle threw the block, Larson got into the back of Bush's car, and then at that point, I think you saw the realization in Larson where he knew uh, this might not work so well. Yeah, no, Kyle Larson, I think, gave and showed a lot of respect on Sunday evening. And you saw just the fact that Larson really got in the back of Kyle Busch on the backstretch and pushed him all the way down the backstretch as if we were at Daytona or Talladega and then let off going into three. And that's kind of the last time we saw him in that fight. And I do think it's a little bit of, you know what, I'm not going to risk wrecking my car, but I'm also not going to risk wrecking any chance at someone's championship because let's say he gets around Kyle Busch and Martin Trix Jr. fights him hard and for all intents and purposes let's just say the 42 tags the 78 and he goes around that's massive the other point I want to say to Elliot Sather real quick is and this is my last pinpoint on this Elliot said that he'd wreck the nine if the nine had touched him Elliot Sather had the faster car between the two if he would have kept his head on his shoulders here Jake I think he would have run that nine back down Elliot can get the job done. He just needs to use the thing in, you know, in his head 
and realize that he can close the deal. At some point, Jacob, it gets too old. It gets too old to see a guy with that sort of pedigree have that many mental mistakes in a car. By the way, he did not win in all year. He needed that more than anything else. Cisco, I want to get you in on this before we go to our first break. Uh, I know you had some thoughts earlier in the week on the Madness show, and I know you sure still have some thoughts here. Yeah, I do, but really for me it's been almost more refreshing to take a step back and look at the reactions you know, from both sides, whether you're on the side of Rents where it's no, Sadler was 100% in the wrong, you're you know, in the spot that Steve was on Monday where – you know, he thinks Elliot has some correctness in his statements or you're kind of in the side of Kyle where you're going either way. It's an interesting situation. I think the situation on Sunday between Larson and the two championship drivers with Kyle Busch and, and Martin Truex Jr. is a very, it lends some credence to what Elliot talked about. But at the same time, as Kyle said, I think it's different situations. I don't think that's something that you can necessarily use to you know, say that Priest did something correct. For me, it's more it's just seeing, you know, what the reactions are because at the end of the day, according to the rule book, according to NASCAR, you have to drive at 100% of the speed you want. So everything from there on out is terms of it comes down to how perception and it comes down to how you want other drivers to treat you. There's no, you know, this was the proper way he was supposed to do this in the rule book apart from you have to drive 100%. That's that's the only rule in there. So everything from here on out is perception and speculation. So it, it'll be interesting regardless of, you know, whether they did something wrong or not, how this is going to affect how Priest is driven in the future and how Larson is driven in the future. Fair enough. And with that, we're going to step aside, take our first break. When we come back, we're going to get back to Kyle Souza and talk a little bit more New England news and notes, NASCAR wheel and modified tour schedule notes and a few other tidbits coming up right around the turn you're listening to the stock car show presented by hms motorsport the leaders in motorsport safety right here on pmn the performance motorsports network you own a performance car and you know how to drive but you want to learn real performance driving well bunky get that car off the street and onto the track summit point motorsports park the mid-atlantic's premier road racing facility located just over an hour from dc in nearby summit point west virginia is the place to go and you'll find that friday at the track is going to give you what you need for less than a monthly car payment you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of summit point's three world-class road racing circuits you'll receive classroom instruction skid pad instruction in their cars including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in your car instructional sessions from a professional instructor have fun go fast and really learn how to drive call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details that's 304-725-8444 friday at the track at summit point motorsports park green light Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Oh, yeah. Why you 
Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm John Holloman, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. I'm never going to disapprove of the music choices on this show because it's all <laughs> wonderful. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. And FYI, you can visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com for all your safety needs and a whole lot more. Jacob Seelman filling in for Tom Baker in the host's chair tonight alongside Hunter Smith, Kyle Souza, Rents Brown, and Cisco Scaramuza. Talking racing and Kyle talking New England motorsports in this segment as we look at notes, races, and fun times ahead for the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour in 2018. I think headlined by the big 250 lapper at New Hampshire Motor Speedway in September that was announced a little while back. But we have a goodly, I like that word, so I'm going to use it, chunk of dates for 2018 that we do know for sure are happening. Yeah, we've got a whisk, uh, Jacob, right now confirm, you know, 11 to 12 races somewhere in that end. Uh, Myrtle Beach confirming over the last couple of weeks as part of that Myrtle Beach 400 that they are going to host the tour again on Saturday, March 17th. So that's going to be happening. We'll go from Myrtle Beach to Thompson for the icebreaker as we have. Uh, and then we'll go to Stafford for the Sizzler. And then right now, May is wide open. So that's kind of the question right now. There's no confirmed dates in May. Uh, we've got Seekonk, Thompson, and Langley in June, New Hampshire in July, Stafford, Thompson, and Bristol in August. And then you mentioned, Jacob, that big 250-lapper uh, at New Hampshire Motor Speedway in September with the fall final and then the World Series to conclude the season. Uh, so we're, we're still missing some races here from what we had last year. Uh, sources telling me Jacob and Adnock Speedway up in Winchester, New Hampshire, did have some interest in returning to the schedule this year. Although at this point, uh, that looks like that may not happen. It's still unclear. So that's kind of still up in the air. Uh, and the other big one here, Jacob, the big ticket item that we're not seeing on here right now is Oswego for Budweiser International Classic Weekend. And unfortunately, they put out a press release this past week, just a couple of days ago, saying that their second division or third division for that Saturday of Classic Weekend was to be announced. Uh, that's a little 
confusing to me on why it would be to be announced if it was going to be the willing tour. So uh, it's been said for a while that the tour may not return to Oswego. Again, still unclear. They still may return there. But right now, from the outside looking in, Jake, you know, it's very unclear on if they're even going to go back to Oswego. In the last couple of years, there have been you know, pretty good races. But right now, it's, it's uh, kind of up in the air. We'll see what happens. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I'd like to see Oswego kind of be that last race before the 250 at Loudon. But as you said, we'll just have to wait and play it out. Uh, presumed, if all holds according to plan like it has the last couple of years, we will get a schedule announcement at or around the NASCAR Home Tracks Banquet, Friday, December 7th, going to be that date at the Charlotte Convention Center and NASCAR Hall of Fame. Kyle, I think the other notable that we don't have confirmation on yet, but you would have to believe is likely going to happen, is at least one, if not two dates, at Riverhead Raceway in New York. Traditionally, two dates they've had the last few years. We don't see those on the schedule yet, keyword yet. That's a question at this point uh, that I'm not sure we're going to have an answer for until we see that official schedule, unless Riverhead decides they're going to put it out in advance. Uh, my source is telling me over the last couple of weeks, though, that Riverhead had come to the conclusion that they were probably only going to have one race uh, next year, and that race was probably going to move to May, hence that big gap in June, uh, in May, excuse me, from what we have confirmed right now. We have no confirmed races in May. They cannot fit that race in June. That's extremely unlikely. So it's likely that that Riverhead race moves up to May. Uh, and if it doesn't, it's going to have to move down towards the end of the schedule because the middle is kind of jammed. So uh, Riverhead, a tight little bull ring. Timmy Salomito would be disappointed if they missed the race there because uh, he has been extremely fast there as well as Justin Bonsignor. And uh, we just talked about Ryan Priest a little bit ago. Yeah. Priest is still planning, Jacob, on running at least some races next year. So that would disappoint him as well. Yeah, it would. Now, I'm looking at this and being the sleuth that I am in some cases, if you put the Riverhead date and trim them to one in the middle of May, and then you theorize, possibly, about a Monadnock return to the schedule, Kyle, I would have to guess maybe the end of June after the Langley date or the opening weekend of July, perhaps, and then give a week off before the uh, mid-July date at Loudoun. I mean, I'm looking at that and thinking to myself, if they want to have that two- or three-week break before the 250 in September, uh, that's that would seem to make sense, at least, by all logical conclusions for the last couple of years. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, unfortunately, I have learned over the last couple of years, nothing that makes sense happens. So uh, we, we will find out. Uh, and again, you mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, but they're, they're, the plan is to release that schedule either just before or just after the banquet down there in Charlotte, uh, which is coming up in, oh, two or three weeks. So we should have a much clearer picture of this over the next couple of weeks. I think uh, right now it's pretty clear, though, that we're going to remain with a lot of the same. I think the dates may swap a little bit. Uh, but as of, you know, my source is telling me, we're not going to add in any new tracks from last year, except 
there's a possibility that Manadnock gets added in. And again, the source is telling me this week that that possibility has uh, kind of just been floating there and it's not confirmed at all and not even close to confirmed. So that's uh, something to watch over the next couple of weeks. I think the Manadnock and the Oswego dates. Riverhead will be on there. We don't know if it's going to be one or two races, but they will be on there in some capacity. Uh, the other ones right now questioning if they're even going to be held holding races. And Jacob, I can also confirm uh, that the new London Waterford Speed Bowl was denied a question that they were going to have a wheel modified tour race in 2018. So they've been denied a race next year. So that's another track we can cross off the list of possibilities. I don't think that really surprises any of us to be completely honest, but uh, that's all I'll say there. And we will move forward and uh, hope for better days. I know Kyle, obviously a lot of people hoping for better days for the shoreline oval going forward after some of the turmoil that they went through in 2017. Now, I want to talk a little racing that we had over the weekend as well, because Kyle, a bunch, and I mean a bunch, of Pass North regulars came down for the Pass South and Pass National Championship finale at Hickory Motor Speedway last weekend. The Mason-Dixon Mega Meltdown 300 at the .363 mile oval, and it coulda woulda probably should have been a north driver winning that race but yet the old bump and spin and run and brandon setzer goes to victory lane repping the south after a race in which boy towards the end of it garrett hall looked to be the man until lap traffic got in the way there at the tail end yeah, and I think we knew that the past North guys were going to be uh, extremely fast when they got down there to Hickory, uh, talking to a couple of them like Travis Benjamin before they elected to go down there. Uh, they knew that the track was going to be a little bit of an adjustment for them, for some of them, for others not really. Derek Ranstrom had been down south before to compete with those past South guys, as had some of the others, but some going down there for the first time. A uh, little bit of an adjustment period to get used to that track, get used to how it drives. And, Jacob, I think when it came down to the end, something tells me that the past south advantage that Setzer had may have played a part uh, in him hounding the back bumper of Garrett Hall. I know the lap car uh, and the contact had something to do with the determination at the end of the race. But sometimes the that the home track advantage in this case of being down south can help somebody, and that may have played a factor here as well. Oh, by the way, 15 grand goes to the winner of that race. So Brandon Setzer took home a pretty good check, and I loved his quote after the race. I could have won the Daytona 500, he says, and not have been as happy as he was on Saturday. That just goes to show you that these past South guys and the past North guys uh, are 100% committed to what they do. They spend a lot of hard and long hours in the shop, as every race team does, to get these cars ready. But the past guys and these super late models are not easy uh, to work on, not easy to set up, and it takes a lot of effort. That race down there, Jacob, having a great car count, I was very impressed with that uh, mega meltdown, which was the first annual, and I expect that they may be doing that again next year. 15000 to win for those guys is a lot of money, Yeah, uh, and they got the car turnout to, to back it up. 34 cars in total coming down for that race. A couple of things that stood out to me. Great to see DJ Shaw, Kyle, back with the Pass South series and down in the southeastern United States. Cody Connor, after his granddad passed away late this summer, getting a great podium finish for that team. And Ben Rowe, oh, by the way, finishing fifth to pick up his fifth Pass National Championship. A big deal for that uh, Richard Moody and Sons 4 crew. 
Yeah, that's another big story that comes out of that. Uh, a veteran racer, a veteran team going down there, running well, and coming home with that championship as well. This past, uh, the, uh, Jacob, this has been one of the best series, uh, I think, across the East Coast because they do such a great job of allowing the North and South guys to run with each other. Uh, and they have a strong contingent down south and a strong contingent up north. And when they come together to put on races like this, they really do a solid job. It was a great show, obviously, for the fans down there. Excitement right to the end. But these guys, uh, they have the respect to compete with one another. And the races are within close enough of a distance for the guys from the north to get there. If they weren't, then obviously uh, they wouldn't go. But being down in Hickory, I know it's a little bit of a distance from up here in New England. They were still able to go down there and be competitive. Uh, and passes is really, really come on strong over the last couple of years as one of the best late model touring series that the country has to offer at this point. Last nugget. Can we give a call to Cassius Clark and the King Racing 13 team for sitting at the border for almost three and a half full days, making a 21-hour drive in 19 hours? making it for the last chance race, making it into the field, oh, by the way, and then driving all the way up to fourth before being involved in one of the late race cautions. That's another, you know, unfortunately for Setzer, I know that uh, win was great for him, the 15 grand, but I think that border story is, is the biggest story leaving last weekend, you know, with, with him being stuck at that border and uh, publicizing that on Facebook Live on multiple occasions uh, last week. I remember Wednesday, uh, them being extremely frustrated, then finally clearing uh, sometime on Friday to get down there for Saturday. A lot of effort in that team. They had a great car unloading, and I think the big difference, Jacob, is everybody else got practice time. They really didn't. They had one last chance race and then the drop of the green flag. And again, they had a great setup right off the trailer. That helped them. Uh, and they come back home, not with the finish they wanted, but I think they learned a lot about the border situation. And my wonder, my well, my hope is that uh, the border situation doesn't affect teams like that again, because that was a very unfortunate situation. Uh, and hopefully that's resolved for the future. Well, Kyle, we always appreciate your input to this program. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I know you have plans to eat plenty of food over the Thanksgiving holidays. So uh, go enjoy your holiday. And we'll look forward to having you back here as we go into the month of December and start uh, further setting up the 2018 season. Yeah, next week we'll talk a little bit more about the Wheel of Modified Tour schedule uh, as well as some other tidbits here in New England. A couple of tracks releasing their schedules up here uh, this week, we won't bombard you too much with the Thanksgiving holiday. Next week, we'll talk, though, what those schedules look like and what that could mean uh, heading into the 2018 season. We're going to step aside. More of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport coming up around the turn. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. 
HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. I'm Dalton Sargent, and you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Rents Brown, Cisco, Scaramuza, and Hunter Smith as we kind of start to review some of the seasons for the short track and touring series across the country and go into the Thanksgiving holiday. And before we start talking and reviewing about the ARCA Racing Series circa 2017, Hunter, uh, you and I were talking during the break a little bit about this, and we were talking about it with Kyle Souza beforehand. This Mason Dixon mega meltdown that we just finished up with the past South and past national super late models over the weekend. It's been a long time since we've had a 15,000 to win super late model race in this portion of the country. I mean, you've got the Oxford 250 up in Maine. That's very high paying. You've got the snowball derby down at Pensacola and five flag speedway. That is a prestige like no other for the super late model class, but we've not really had one in the mid-Atlantic uh, portion of the country, so to speak, 
that really has caught my attention as much as this Mega Meltdown did. I mean, it's a high-paying race, and like we were talking about before, the car count, 34 cars two weeks before the Snowball Derby is nothing to sneeze about. If this thing grows right, it could easily become one of the premier races for the class uh, anywhere in the country. Yeah, and it definitely can. I think it's so cool to bring something to this area of the country just because there's so much talent over here. There's so much talent. There's so much of this short track racing with these late models over here. So to bring something here to a prestigious venue, in my opinion, like Hickory and just the overall driver's track, I'll, I'll go out on, on my own merits here and say Hickory is easily, if not top two, in my favorite racetracks in the country. Um, I have a soft spot for it for multiple reasons, but I absolutely love Hickory and the racing that never just disappoints there. So to take a race, and you know, like you talked about, the prestigious venue of it with $15,000 to win, bring it to this area where there's so many super late model drivers and drivers trying to cut their teeth and make it to the ranks of NASCAR, make it to K&N and, you know, ARCA and all those different series and whatnot. Um, to bring it to this area is huge. And like you said, I think with a car count of 34, uh, two weeks before the Snowball Derby comes up, I think you have a lot of guys that possibly went into this race using it as kind of a, a get back into the into the swing and get into the mentality for it, but actually came out with, you know, this is a race. This, I mean, you have to mean business when you come down to this, this deal now. So um, excited to see where it goes for sure. I think it'll be really cool. Yeah, and I think Ben Rowe kind of falls into that category of guys who really wanted to get one more tune-up. He's running the Snowball Derby for the first time this year with that Moody and Sons 4N crew and got a really solid top five finish, wrapped up the past national championship. He's one that I would put in that category that you just referenced, Hunter, is uh, really one, one more chance to see where they're at before they go down to Pensacola, which, of course, we'll talk about later in this show, getting closer and closer to the Snowball Derby. We are going to transition now to the ARCA Racing Series, Cisco, and kind of start to review the season and look ahead to what's next for the ARCA division. And boy, when you talk about season in review, you cannot uh, go anywhere else to start but the Ken Schrader Racing number 52 team and the efforts that they put forth and the result that they got out of Austin Terrio. The kid from Maine, along with the veteran from the Midwest, uh, a pairing that probably everybody looked at and went, is this really going to work? And yet, two old short track racers at heart, they went out and they mopped the floor with everybody this season. It was honestly really cool to see. Oh, it was really cool to see, and all credit to Austin Terrio for just going on an amazing run. And really, the only one who even came sort of close to that could be Dalton Sargent getting three wins or Justin Haley with two. But, I mean, it's the numbers for Austin Terrio in 20 races, seven wins, 16 top fives. He only finished outside the top 10 once. He got one pole but led 280 laps. Just it, the number, it's a numbers game, and it's staggering the numbers that we're seeing. Yeah, oh, by the way, Rents, when you talk about he only finished outside the top 10 once, I think it's important to note that that finish outside the top 10 was in the finale at Kansas after he had already wrapped the championship up. And the only reason he didn't finish in the top 10 was because he popped a right front tire halfway through that Kansas race and ended up in the outside wall. I mean, mm -hmm. if it wasn't for that, Austin Terrio would have had a perfect record of 20 for 20 in the top 10 department this season, more than likely. The consistency, I mean, a lot of things stick out to me, and yes, they got seven wins, but the consistency this season 
it was unparalleled. I mean, it harkens me back to some of the campaigns that Frank Kimmel had during his unprecedented domination of this series. I mean, they just, for a while, it seemed like could do no wrong. No, they really couldn't. In the beginning of the part of the season, they won at Daytona, and we're all thinking, okay, Terrio's back. Remember, Terrio had a horrific crash in the truck series the year before at Las Vegas and sidelined him for a majority of the end of the truck series season. Then he goes to Arca, wins Daytona, and everyone's going, okay, Austin Terrio's back. Then Dalton Sargent picked up some momentum, and you know he won a few races at the start of the year. But when the nitty-gritty part of the season started to take shape, Austin Terrio's experience, I think, in the Camping World Truck Series, Jacob, started to show its form. He was able to take the pressure, high-pressure situations of knowing what he needed to do with the race car, knowing what he needed to do to keep the team level-headed and calm throughout a big run of the ARCA season. They made those transitions and those changes with Ken Schrader, by the way, who Ken Schrader is a man that knows a thing or two about racing these days, knows a thing or two about keeping a team together. They go on to win seven times with 16 top fives and 19 top tens, Jacob, with a 300-point championship cushion that they had in their back pocket. That's just massive. But, you know, as much as we talked Dalton, Sar- uh, you know, Austin Terrio, we got to talk Dalton Sargent as well, Jacob, because he had one heck of a season, finishing in second in points. I know 300 back, but three wins on the year, 10 top fives, 18 top tens. That's nothing to hang your hat about either. He had one heck of a run this year as well. He really did, and in the wake of a lot of rumors going around the Arca Garage as to the potential future of the Cunningham Motorsports race team going forward as to whether they'll be back in Arca, whether they may move on to other things, uh, there's a lot of questions swirling around. So to see Dalton get a great finish, a runner-up in points, uh, Shane Lee was strong, just narrowly missed out on a win at uh, the dirt track at DeCoin this season and you know for them as a squadron it was a whole really really concerted effort to do something good this season with both cars they managed to pull that off it wasn't the championship but you know Dalton said throughout the season there were a couple of more times Hunter that they probably should have gone to victory lane and just didn't quite get there I mean that was just the tough nature of what Terrio brought to the table and the nature of the series. I mean, there were a few times where I agree the 77 team and Sargent should have been in victory lane and just got outfoxed. Yeah, the biggest thing I noticed about this year with the Arca series was Terrio knew how to close. Terrio was such a closer in in the series this year, and he could close like no other, and that was really what it came down to every week. Terrio was always kind of in the picture, and, and that was what I admired. He was in the picture the whole race, and then all of a sudden towards the end, there were some races where he wouldn't be, you know, top three, whatever. All of a sudden, in the last, last 15, 20 laps, there he was, and whether it was, uh, you know, Sargent in the, in the 77 and, you know, any of the other contenders that were up there pretty much every week, you know, you had Riley Herbst and all these other guys that were contenders for wins all season. So it's the nature of the series. Like you said, it was the nature all year with uh, with Terrio and just the dominance. But, you know, who's in, we'll see what 2018 brings. You know, it's, it's, it's different every year. And the Arca series provides so much, 
you know youthful talent which is pretty cool so and of late it's been it's been really awesome so really anxious to see what's on the table for for next year for all the teams yeah and we're going to talk a little bit more about what's on the table for next year around the turn going to step out for a moment but when we come back we'll continue our review and preview of the ARCA Racing Series here on the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. We'll be right back. Okay, so, Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep. And my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it. Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Chase Cabry and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport. The leaders in motorsport safety, Jacob Seelman, alongside Hunter Smith, Cisco Scaramuza, and Rents Brown on PMN as we talk all things motorsports, but more specifically of the short track and touring series variety on this program. And talking ARCA Racing Series in the last segment, going to continue talking about the ARCA Racing Series in this segment and boy Cisco I know when you look at ARCA and a lot of people said it this year maybe the lack of full-time teams or 
not many full-time teams was a little bit concerning in some cases, but the quality of the competition you did have, I feel like, was second to none. You've got the 52-team in Terrio, who, if Terrio doesn't get snapped up for a 2018 ride in the NASCAR National Series, uh, Ken Schrader has said he wants to have Austin back and go for a shot to defend the championship that they won this year. You had Riley Herbst, who we know is going to be back for another year in the Joe Gibbs Racing number 18 car. You've got, we believe, Gus Dean coming back for another run at the championship. And uh, from all indications that I've heard, Brett Holmes and the 23 team will be back for another run at the championship. We've said we don't know for sure the status of the Cunningham cars right now and what may become of that team for 2018. But I know people are worrying about full-time car count. I'm not as worried as some people might think because this isn't the ARCA from 2000 to 2006 or whatever. It's not many people or drivers anymore that stick around this series for very long. It truly is kind of like what we've seen with the K&M Pro Series East and West, a developmental series nowadays. It is, and that's kind of where I'm sitting here wondering what we're going to see from this series in the future because as we've said multiple times on this program the truck series for nascar right now is another developmental program and and that one is going through a very much of an unstable period because you have series like canon east and west and like arca taking drivers away and if you look at you know the arca entries for everybody who isn't, you know, somewhat full-time, you know, your Zane Smiths, your Austin Terrios, your Darlin' Sargents, you look down the list from from the point standings on from about 15th on, Sheldon Creed, Christian Eckes, Bobby Gerhardt, you know, obviously he's around a lot, but you got guys like Michael Self, Kyle Weatherman, Ty Majeski, all these other guys, these young guys who come into the series and then just kind of move on. So... It's for me, it's kind of sad to not see ARCA in the position that you mentioned from 2000 and 2006, because I think ARCA is in a better position than, you know, what the truck series is going through, because there's been so much movement and so much addition to the rules book in terms of the truck series that we're just not sure, you know, where everybody's going to be. And there's so much, you know, where everybody's worrying about standardized engines now and, you know, what the rule set's going to be if TRD has an advantage, all this stuff up in the air. And meanwhile, ARCA's going, well, I mean, we're just doing our thing. Yeah, we have, you know, the composite bodies that are coming in and everything, but I feel like ARCA's a much more stable environment than the other series, Jacob. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that, and I love what the ARCA Racing Series has been doing for the past couple of years. They've been able to get a lot of stability, Hunter, with their schedule. We've not seen much movement from a track standpoint, and we've seen some really, really strong fan counts and really, really strong racing at a lot of these staple ARCA races over the past few years. It's become a very good launching pad. Now, like Cisco said, uh, the position it's in right now, it is slightly concerning from just an outside skimming appearance that you don't have drivers staying longer. But quite frankly, I think this is the position that big-time auto racing is in now. The goal is to get to the top in a very expedited period. These young guys, uh, as they say, don't have a lot of time to waste. Yeah, and, and you're totally right there. And I want to go back to a point that you know Cisco made about the the 
truck series kind of being a development program. I don't even look so much at the, the truck series being a development series anymore. you got a lot of guys that are making a living running in the series. You have Johnny Sauters, your Grandin Fingers, Matt Craftons. you got these guys that are choosing to run that series, and I think your development series definitely coming from the, the ARCA series, but also the K&N like you talked about and stuff like that too. But like you said, they're not staying, they're not staying very long. Um, and that is maybe something that you're looking at and saying uh, maybe there's a problem with that. But at the same time, too, seats are getting filled. Um, you yep. know, the bigger the Cunningham seats are filled every year. The um, you know Gibbs now has his hand in in, in a program down there. So um, it is really I, one of my favorite things about the Arca series, just on a personal level, is, is the racetracks. Um, the racetracks they go to are, are awesome. Toledo, the the dirt and the you get the dirt aspect with some other uh, you know your Illinois State Fairgrounds and stuff like that. And then you have your your asphalt aspect. I think that's so cool. You have road courses. You literally have a little bit of everything in the Arca series, and I think that's the coolest things for developing a driver. That's what's made it so special is the fact you can have award programs like the Bill France Four Crown, uh, that you can have races on dirt miles and a road course like Road America and mm-hmm. the short tracks, historic short tracks even, like Toledo, Salem, Winchester, Winchester. Yep. Uh, and still get the super speedways in there, your Kentuckys, your Poconos, your Michigans, your Kansases, and even Daytona and Talladega to help get some of these younger guys acclimated to the draft before before they reach the big-time NASCAR ranks. Now, Rents, looking ahead to 2018 a little bit, I think ARCA finds itself on a little bit better footing where we know two cars for sure from the MDM Motorsports stable are going to be running full-time for a driver's championship. Sheldon Creed going to step up to full-time with MDM, as is Chase Purdy, who comes into the series fresh off winning the Rookie of the Year honors in the NASCAR k Pro Series East, nearly got a win, uh, picked up a handful of pole awards, and ran three races this year for Mason Mitchell Motorsports in the 78 car. Zane Smith is going to return to MDM and run possibly a full schedule Uh, from everything I've heard they're gonna start the year and kind of see how things go with Zane but at the very least from the outset that's three more drivers who look to be running regularly with the series with a team that has really grown into a serious threat no matter what they're running in whether it's the truck series they picked up a win with Bubba Wallace this year or the Arca series they picked up I think five wins with five different drivers and even in K&N still no exactly and that's the big thing is the fact that I look at there's so much growth to be had with MDM and there's so much potential there i think the truck series win they had with bubba really gave the entire program a big kick in the butt that they needed zane smith finished ninth in points this past season so coming back into another season and having more experience underneath your belt is massive obviously chase purdy and his success in knn and winning the rookie of the year and doing what he did he's going to win a few races next year and i don't think it's going to be a surprise to really anyone because he has what it takes to win in the, the next series. He can just adapt. And obviously Sheldon Creed, 15th in points this past year, but not in a full-time capacity, as you said. I mean, eight top tens and five top fives is not bad, Jacob, in a limited role. So MDM could very well challenge for very good spots in the top ten in the point series, in the point standing, should I say. I don't know what the championship look will be for them they may be championship favorites who knows when it all said and done after we leave daytona because we have to really think about the fact that the season really doesn't start until after daytona because 
you know, anyone could really win Daytona, but it, it should be interesting. I'm really excited for the ARCA Racing Series in 2018. There's so much growth and potential there. I just want to see how it goes and how Ken Schrader Racing jumps back onto it, how, you know, what happens with Riley Herbst, what happens with how does Gus Dean do. There, There's a lot of questions, Jacob, going into 2018 that will be answered very shortly. But for right now, nothing but good thoughts for MDM because that team can make a lot of noise in 2018. Cisco, I want to go back to your comments from earlier. Sometimes when you have a series where drivers don't always hang around and run the full season, I feel like we get a better picture by looking at the owner's championship as opposed to just the driver's championship. Stop and consider that this season we had, and I'm including the MDM 28 car in this because they ran about 90% of the races, so I'm going to consider them basically a full-time effort. We had 22 cars run the every race on the schedule or pretty darn close to it and then you had three more mdm cars that ran either half the schedule or enough races and we know they're going to have drivers that will be contending full-time in 2018 looking at that right now that's 24 to 25 entries that should most everybody come back you're looking at a very solid field already for 2018 I don't think we have to sound the alarm as much as some people might think I think we're going to be in a good position and uh, things are overall looking up for the ARCA Racing Series going into next year and I agree and I think this is something where I've said for a very long time that each series needs you know something to you know make it it's you know it's whether it be a signature event like you know the truck series has Eldora obviously the cup series being the top level Xfinity I'm still not sure I personally think it's the road courses which really distinguish that schedule but as you alluded to earlier ARCA has one of the most varied and I think most interesting schedules on the entirety of national oval racing today and you know this car count and you know the owner's points looking at that tells a very different story versus the driver's standings so i have to agree but i think the one thing that we are missing is those nameplates you know yes it is very cool to see 20 cars in this position jacob but i'd like it a little bit more if we could see 20 drivers in this position I would, too. I don't know that you're ever going to get back to that point, but it's something we can dream about and see what happens. I know that much, so we're going to step aside. We've still got half this show to go here before we head into the Thanksgiving holiday break, so stick around. We transition after this to that big race that's coming up in December at Five Flags Speedway. Snowball Derby conversation around the turn. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun. 
go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network, as we head into our second half. As always, this show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, and you can visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com or Check out one of their two locations in Danvers, Massachusetts, or right down the road from our studio here in Mooresville, North Carolina. Jacob Seelman anchoring tonight's program. Tom Baker is off, and I'm joined at the round table by Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza, and Hunter Smith as we transition into the last big race of the year for the short track set, the Snowball Derby, and this one is Big Hunter Smith. Not only because, well, it's the Snowball Derby, but because it's the 50th running, the golden anniversary of the Snowball Derby. If this race wasn't big enough before, super late models from every corner of the country are coming out for this one. If you win this race, you have put your name alongside a list of some of Short Track Racing's immortals. And I can promise you, whoever wins this running of the race on December 3rd is going to remember it for the rest of their life. Yeah, you don't forget your first golden snowball. I tell you that. it is. That's one thing you just never forget. So um, I think whoever comes out with this one is going to be uh, thrilled, thrilled with their uh, victory down there. So I just I just like calling it the golden snowball. <laughs> all our life we've been told to stay away from the yellow snow, right? So <laughs> I think it's uh, – it's it's a uh, one of those funny dad jokes I can throw in there, but yeah, and there's a lot of big names as is per usual with the Snowball Derby. But um, you know we got KBM bringing three cars down, Casey Roderick being fastest, and all that kind of stuff there. So I think it's gonna be cool. I think it's uh, I'm always excited for this race. Snowball Derby is one of my favorite races of the year. Yeah, let's talk about practice times in a few minutes. But before we do that, Cisco, when you talk about this race bringing out the big names. There are no two bigger names on this entry list 
then Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion Kyle Busch, and NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion Johnny Sauter, both of whom have filed their entries and are confirmed for this event. You want to talk about star power, there you go. Two NASCAR stars returning to their roots. We know Johnny has a long history through his family in short track racing up in the Midwest. And, of course, Kyle fielding a team and bringing multiple cars down to this race. Actually, Kyle Busch, a former winner of the Snowball Derby. It doesn't get much better than this. No, it doesn't. And I want to draw your attention also because... On the link that you sent us, it had the entries for not only the Snowball Derby, but also the Snowflake 100. There's a driver from Columbia, Tennessee, who's on the entry list for the Snowflake 100, Sterling Marlin, hopping in that race. So I'm looking forward to seeing him back in action. But like you said, yes, the entry list for the Snowball Derby. I mean, Raph Lassard, Chase Purdy. I'm just going from the middle of the list. Ties in there. John Hunter Nemechek. Um, I could go on and on. Steve Wallace, Grant Enfinger. Noah Gregson. The name's Noah Gregson, yeah. I'm just going from the middle of the list. I'm not even looking for any one particular. Spencer Davis, there's another one, Bubba Pollard. The list goes on and on, Jacob. It does, and that's what's going to make this race so special, Rents, if you can win it. It's not just that you beat a field of good drivers, especially this year. It is you beat the best drivers in America to win this race. It's kind of the feeling that we got last year when a little-known kid from New York by the name of Christian Eckes, who now is uh, slowly becoming a household name in the short track ranks, ran some ARCA races for Venturini Motorsports this year, beat everybody to win this race, or when Eric Jones beat Kyle Busch to win this race a couple years ago and ultimately got his shot in NASCAR largely because of it. I mean, if we have another one of those Mm -hmm. moments this year in this race, it's going to be a moment I think racing as a whole will never forget. Yeah, no, exactly. And the Snowball Derby is, you know, the largest late model race in the country. If If you think about the prestige of, what it means to go down to Pensacola, Florida and race at Five Flags. And we always have some story that comes out from Snowball every year where you just have that feel-good effect. And this year, there's so many guys that have been racing in the top tiers of NASCAR. We got guys we haven't even heard of that are going to be there. And, you know, it's, as you said, the Eric Jones effect. No one really knew about this kid from Michigan until Kyle Busch, saw his talent and got beat by said Jones and look where he is. He won the rookie of the year in the cup series this year, and he's going to win a few races next year in cup. So just the list that I see here, Spencer Davis is going to be running it. Baba Pollard's going to be there. Uh, Going through the list, Harrison Burton's back. He's going to run it this year. There's just so many things, Jacob, that I'm looking at this entry list and it's great to see an entry list like this for a race like this because we see so many times prestigious races or races throughout the country where we really don't get the field counts that it deserves so seeing these guys come down and try to give it their all is something that can give us a little hope for the future in other racing series and adventures that we might have to uh, keep our eye on moving forward absolutely I mean and you look back on this race Hunter and it reads like a list of the current stars of NASCAR. 
Again, Kyle Busch won this race about a decade ago. Over the past six or seven years, Chase Elliott has won this race. John Hunter Nemechek has won this race. Eric Jones has won this race. I mean, it seems like this is a springboard to so many greater things nowadays. This race, much like some of the other touring series, can be a race that can make your career in a moment that can make your career if you are lucky enough and uh, fortunate enough to win it. No, I completely agree. This is an extremely prestigious race. And one of my favorite stories to, to come out of this race in relative recent years is when Eric Jones was able to beat Kyle Busch. And then, you know, the next year we saw Eric Jones in a truck for him and then, or in, in, in late models for him. So I think that's so cool. And a lot of these guys that have come out one, like you said, now they're running trucks and Xfinity and even cup deals too. So um, huge springboard event. It's such a prestigious race. We put so much, uh, you know, hype and everything behind it because it deserves it. It's such a cool race. This is, I think the super late models as a whole, that whole division deserves the the hype that we give that division so yeah really cool and, and you know i think if we see the same thing we see a new winner this year somebody you know could you know become a household name in, in the coming years from it i only wish that we could see chase elliott on the running order for this year's snowball we've not heard anything and it doesn't sound like that Chase is going to come back to make a run at the 50th running of the Derby. He's won it twice. Eric Jones has won it twice. John Hunter Nemechek won it in 2014, like we mentioned. And I think for me, Cisco, one of the all-time greats, and you'll know this name, he's one of the greatest ever in the terms of Midwest super late model and short track racing, but five-time Derby winner Rich Bickle coming back for the 50th running of the event. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that when you can pull Rich basically out of retirement to come back and run this race. It's awesome to see, and I think he was actually at Hickory, I want to say, for the uh, for the car's throwback, uh, throwback 276. I think it's the last time I saw him, and he was just, I think, doing autographs. I don't think he was racing, so... No, it's awesome to see Rich hopping back in the car, and even on his photo, I think that's his photo from maybe an ARCA race or something, but nonetheless, yeah, Rich hopping back in the car, that's pretty awesome, Hunter. Yeah, definitely. It's extremely cool to see these guys, but I want to go back to what Jake said about seeing Chase Elliott back coming in and running it. I think you're only... You're one person shy that should come back and run a late model. If Chase is going to run, we need Denny to come run. That Hamlin? Yeah. Yes. Hey. I don't know that Hamlin's ever run the Derby. I don't think so. He's he's been known to uh, you know build his career through the super late models, and he he used to do the you know the short track showdown and all that kind of stuff. I think it would be awesome to come see these two come run back in these super late models. That would be talk of the town for sure. I'm going to look that up during our next break. See if I can figure out if. In fact, Denny Hamlin has ever run the Snowball Derby. That's that, that could be a trivia question on Jeopardy someday, now that I think about that. We're going to dig that up during the break. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Snowball Derby testing, because this is a special race hunter in the fact that there is a lot of on-track time leading up to the event itself. And one of the names we haven't really talked about yet from Ronnie Sanders race, and we actually had him on PMN on one of our other affiliate shows a couple of weeks ago, but Casey Roderick led the way in Snowball Derby preview testing, took home a $500 check for being the fastest man in town, 16.611 seconds. And for Roderick, who has just about done everything but win the Tom Dawson trophy. This is a great start for him. He's one of the deep south 
short track racers uh, cut his teeth in uh, you know the Southern Super Series and in super late model racing has always had bad luck in the Derby and has never actually managed to pull off a victory. This was a shot to some of these super teams saying, hey, just because you bring a lot of money down here doesn't mean you can't be beat. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so cool to see that from a promoter standpoint, I think it's so cool to see that they give money out for fastest and testing and that kind of stuff. That just adds the incentive of going to this event and, you know, bringing drivers out to this event. But yeah, huge start. That's a huge confidence builder going into this race. But if you can go out there and test faster than, you know, Johnny Sauter, Kyle Busch and Cole Rouse and, you know, Noah Gregson, all the, the KBM team guys and whatnot. And I think that's, that's cool. He, I think he's definitely going to be a, have a shot at it. So um, you know, we'll watch. We'll be watching for that on December 3rd for sure. Yes, we will. And we're actually going to hit on a few more names that are expected to be in the field for the Derby. But we're going to take a break before we do that. So when we come back, continued discussion about the 50th running of the Snowball Derby right here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Spencer Davis, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. 
Well, that's appropriate. A driver who's running double duty at the Snowball Derby bringing us back from break. Spencer Davis going to compete in both the Snowflake 100 and the Snowball Derby this season. And we were talking about a lot of names on the entry list. Actually, now have a look at the full entry list as it's been released so far. I'm just going to go down the list and mention names here. And then we can hit on some of them specifically. Derek Scott Jr. out of Texas. We mentioned Ben Rowe earlier in the program. Picked up his fifth pass national championship from Maine. Coming down to run the Derby for the first time. Mason Mingus who spent time in both the trucks and the ARCA Racing Series in the past. Corey LaJoy who is just coming off his rookie season in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. We mentioned former Derby winner John Hunter Nemechek who contended uh, up until the second to last round of the playoffs in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series this year. K&M Pro Series West Rookie of the Year, Derek Krause. You've got Harrison Burton in one of the very potent Fury chassis race cars. Uh, Christian Eckes, one of his teammates in the Fury stable, won this race last year. He's also on the entry list. Past North regular Derek Griffith. Casey Roderick, who was fastest in Texas, or in testing, as we mentioned. Uh, you've got Noah Gregson, Bubba Pollard, Brandon McReynolds, who once won an ARCA race at Talladega. Brandon hates when I bring that up, and when he <laughs> listens to this, he's going to laugh because it, it's a running joke that I always bring up the ARCA win as being the biggest moment for him so far. And yet, here he is on the Derby entry list. Spencer Davis, who brought us back from break. We talked about him. Donnie Wilson, longtime veteran out of Oklahoma City. You've got Derek Thorne, repping the West Coast from Bakersfield, California. Former KNN Pro Series West regular Chad Finley out of Michigan coming back for this one. Preston Peltier. Hey, Hunter, I, I feel like we've seen Preston Peltier do a few good things in a super late model. Just a uh, couple. J j just a couple. He's been pretty good. He's going to be back chasing the Tom Dawson Trophy, Cole Rouse and Kyle Busch in two of the three KBM cars, Stephen Nassie out of Florida, who I believe his biggest snowball derby memory to date was when he got into William Byron, maybe, Hunter? Does, does that ring a bell? Just just a tiny bell. <laughs> just a tiny bell. Little, little ring in the head. Little ring. Tyler Ankrum out of California, Garrett Evans repping the Pacific Northwest from Washington, Steve Wallace, former derby winner, oh, by the way, Grant Enfinger, Ty Majeski, Chase Purdy, Raphael Lassard, and I think what's so interesting here, Cisco, I'll come to you first. This is going to be Chase Purdy's last ride, we believe, in a David Gilliland Racing Super Late model. He's changing teams for 2018, and I know how badly Chase wants to win a derby. Oh, for sure. And for him to, you know, for this to potentially be his walk off moment, if he can go out there, win this thing before he leaves the team, that, that what a moment that would be the 50th anniversary of the Derby. And, you know, to to go out and have a moment like that, I'm sure Chase would love to do that. I know he would. He's actually joining the Anthony Campy Racing Stable for the 2018 season. Rents, when you listen and look down the list of names, and I didn't even mention all of them, but it's like we were talking about before. This race legitimately brings out everybody. It's just a race that calls for good old-fashioned short track racing, with the prestige of knowing that you're a winner among some of the greatest racers ever. 
while this might not be a Daytona 500, a Brickyard, or an Indianapolis 500, Jacob, the Snowball Derby means so much to the late model ranks and to the guys that maybe might not ever get their chance to race in the big time series. This is their big moment. And for the guys like Kyle Busch, like Noah Gragson, John Hunter Nemechek, to make their presence known in this race speaks a lot to the fact that late model racing is alive and well in the country. Matt Kenseth is a big, big late model driver. He loves late model racing. I'm sure he'll probably do a few this year as well, and I'll just put even more emphasis on this. But the Snowball Derby just brings everyone together for one sole purpose. I mean, it's what, December, Jacob? We're in December. There's really no racing going on except for this. I want to throw this out there. We were talking about it during our last segment and trying to figure out if Denny Hamlin had ever run the Derby. The answer to that question, Rents, is no. Of all the things Denny Hamlin has done over the course of his short track career, we know he cut his teeth on short tracks in the state of Virginia. Denny's never run the Derby. I I can't believe that. Yeah, you would think with the guy that has the pedigrees uh, that Denny has on short tracks, he would have at least attempted a snowball. I believe even Matt Kenseth has run a snowball before. But for Denny to not run one is kind of bizarre to me. Maybe just hasn't had the right opportunity or had the car to go down there and do it or a team that would pick him up. But, you know, he's done his short track showdown that used to be at Richmond. And I think they did one year at like South Boston or something like that. And uh, other than that, he's really only done non-points events that would be the Budweiser shootout, the Gatorade duels. And, you know his short track events, Jacob. So not much really going there. So I'm surprised that Denny Hamlin, a short track guy is not doing the snowball derby. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, that short track showdown that rents mentioned is going to make a return in 2018. We'll talk about that later on in our lightning round, but of all the things I was talking about and all the names I mentioned Hunter in the entry list that I read out, one that really, really sticks out to me, and one that, frankly, I'm shocked is not entered for this race. Now, we may still see it pop up, but Todd Gilliland has had so much trouble and tried so hard to make this race the last two years. He is DNQ'd for both of his snowball derby attempts, and last year's derby attempt, he DNQ'd after being the fastest car in practice. I'm not saying I know for sure that he's going to make the Derby because we've not heard that yet, but good grief. I imagine if Todd does file an entry, the boy just wants to be in the dance once. That's really shocking to see that there's no Gilliland car on the entry list this year. Well, there's two David Gilliland racing cars on the entry list, just no Todd Gilliland driving them yet. Yeah, and like you said, we could see it. Uh, it could come as a relatively late entry, but yeah, you know, maybe he's just focused on other deals. You know, came out, uh, won a second K and West Championship this year, so maybe he just feels he needs to work on his his skills a little more and then get back after it. Or you know, it's, I know it's not really been his skills the past couple of years that have right. knocked him out of it, but you know, maybe he just needs to take a break from it and regroup, come back. We'll wait and see. 
I'm not convinced that we won't see Todd end up in a ride, but we're just going to have to wait a little while. I'm looking down the Snowflake 100 entry list now, and two big names, Hunter, and we're going to talk about driver fitness and kind of finish off our year with the fit stop segment coming up here in a couple of minutes but i'll give you an early head start because there's two drivers for sure that are big names that are doing double duty during snowball derby weekend and running both the derby and the snowflake 100 on saturday the two names that stick out to me for this are bubba pollard longtime veteran and John Hunter Nemechek, who came excruciatingly close to being the first driver in history to win both races in the same weekend before Tech happened a couple of years ago. I mean, this is not an easy weekend, let alone adding into doing 400 laps on a very tough Pensacola half mile over the course of two days. Yeah, from a double duty standpoint, that's grueling. Um, you know, we talk about the fitness stuff with the fit stop segment and and myself every week, and that's that's such a grueling weekend to have those two races. And you know, granted, I think John Hunter Nemechek may have had it a little a little bit easier the the year he almost won both because he kind of had the adrenaline running. He and that kind of carried him, and it's kind of amazing what adrenaline will do for the human body. Um, you know, there's stories of people lifting cars with you know just adrenaline running through their body. So um, it's amazing what that can do, and that a lot of the times carries these drivers through some of these events. But John Hunter's in, in awesome shape. He's you know I constantly see uh, see him out on the bikes with the Limit Extreme guys and and all kinds of stuff so um i think if anybody's got a shot to you know be in the best shape to do it john hunter's got a good shot at it yeah he does i mean i look down the early entry lists and see a few other names that are also at least planning on running double duty now uh steven nassi uh we know is uh, most likely going to run double duty as is uh I say as is, uh, Cole Anderson may run double duty. I think that's going to come down to a super late model ride for him. We know he's running the Snowflake, but we'll just have to wait and see on Cole if he ends up running double duty. But we know for sure Nassie's going to run double duty. Spencer Davis is another one that always runs both races, Hunter. He's had his family uh, 29 pro late model and super late model for quite some time. I think the other name that sticks out to me just... The fact that he can run double duty because he's not built very big. Jasper, Georgia, young gun Chandler Smith. I mean, you and I have seen Chandler run at uh, the summer shootout, at some of the uh, past races in the past. I mean, Chandler's not a big kid. It mm-hmm. kind of blows me away the fact that you think about him running 300 laps in the derby, let alone trying to do both races. Hey, you're all the same size in a race car. That, that's the only response <laughs> I have to wrong. that. You are all the same size. and that, well, All that matters is in your chest and in your head. That's all that matters. All right. I'll give Hunter that. And we're going to give Hunter some more room to talk about fitness when we come back. We're going to transition into our final fit stop segment of the 2017 regular season. Hunter going to do a year in review here on the fit stop. When we come back, you're listening to the Stock Car Show. And we continue in just a moment. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, 
BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orica Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. I don't have my dancing shoes, Matt. Otherwise, I would join you. I promise. Anyway, welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. Here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network, you can visit our friends at HMS Motorsport on the web at hmsmotorsport.com or visit one of their two locations in Danvers, Massachusetts, or right here in Mooresville, North Carolina, for all your racing safety needs. Joe Marco and the staff have got you covered. Jacob Zielman, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza, and Hunter Smith talking racing as we get set to go into the Thanksgiving break. But before we do that, Hunter, <laughs> it's a good thing we're having a fit stop because mm. you're going to tell us how to avoid gaining about 15 pounds during the holiday or something like that and review a little bit of the higher points of everything we've talked about in this uh, pre-Thanksgiving fit stop, I know. So where are we headed here? 
Well, we're headed towards Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that certainly makes things hard over the off season. But we just like to maintain. November, December is kind of about maintaining, and we've talked about it a lot in the last week, uh, last two weeks actually. We had a two-part fit stop about you know off season training and off season, you know what we go through uh, with training drivers. So. It's all about maintaining the next couple months. Assessments. A lot of assessments are going to go into these next couple months here. Just getting a driver ready, seeing what we're going to do with them, seeing what's going to work, what's not going to work, what we did this past year, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, but a lot of stuff, and I see a lot of these drivers now, a lot of these younger guys are, you know, we talked about it all year. A lot of these younger guys are really getting into it with different styles of training, with the triathlon style training. The cycling is becoming huge. Uh, indoor cycling, whether it be spin or things like cycle bar or that kind of stuff, we um, we see the the strength training, the just the variations of all the different styles of stuff we could do. There's some MMA fighting, there's some UFC style training that some of these drivers do, which is awesome. And one of my favorite things, and I said it last week, and I've definitely said it before on the show, is we don't have to train like race car drivers. We could train like any athlete we want, and we can still apply it to driving the race cars. So a lot of unique variation. This is that's kind of why I chose, you know, the path that I chose. You know, working with race car drivers and that kind of stuff. It's so awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's just something different all the time. So, and every driver is going to react to a, a piece of training different, which is awesome. So it keeps things interesting, and that's what training this sport is all about. Whether it be drivers or pit crew members or anybody, just keeping it interesting, doing different stuff all the time. So, what are your biggest tips or suggestions for maintaining going into the off season? Keep things keep things simple. You know, right away, right off the bat, keep things simple. Um, don't overthink your training, um, especially for these November December months. Um, November December months, like I said, don't overthink it. Do a little bit of what you've been doing. Try some little stuff new. Work them in. Don't just throw all this new stuff at you. You don't know how it's gonna work. So work in new stuff. Don't just throw it at you all at once. And then come January February, once we really start to see the beginning of the season coming back uh, with February March, those kind of um, months where you know majority of our short track and national touring series schedules will start back up. Then we can start really saying, all right, you know, wholeheartedly, this is the program. Here's our season. Let's get after it. Let's go do it. All right. So going into off-season fitness programs, I'm sure you have one. So what are we looking at? What would you recommend if it were you recommending? So if if it were me recommending, um, I'm one to recommend a lot when it comes to this kind of stuff. So um, somebody like myself, I've, I've relatively always been into it. I've always done the fitness thing. I've always been, uh, you know, I pride myself on, you know, all the times I've been in a race car, all the drivers I've competed against. I've been one of the more in shape ones. And, you know, we always talk about long run car and that kind of stuff. I was always a long run driver. Um, and as these guys were getting tired by their 50, 60 lap, 50, 60 laps, I was just starting to come alive. You know, I was passing these guys, their arms were getting tired and that kind of stuff. So, um, focus a lot on the stuff that I, what I always tend to do in the off season, I focus a lot on the stuff that I struggled with in the season before. Um, if I had noticed a lot in the previous season that, uh, you know, I was getting tired after these races a lot more and, you know, falling out of the car, essentially, okay, my endurance needs to get way up or, you know, okay, a lot of these races, I was coming out with sore shoulders and really sore arms. I went, okay, I got to build the strength up in these muscles in these areas. So 
really focus on I like to focus on where I need improvement and break it up one thing at a time. If I need to if I need to work on my arms, okay, I'm going to kind of work my way around the arms and make it sure make sure things are being done in a creative way and I'm not doing the same thing over and over again, which we've talked before on the show why it's important to have somebody as part of your program to do this. Uh, from a driver standpoint, it is extremely important to have a trainer, or a fitness professional, you know, as part of your team and having you you know, something you don't have to worry about, something you can just kind of go in, get your, uh, you know, get your stuff done, get your exercises in and get back to worrying about getting back in the race car and winning races. As far as maintaining during the off season, you mentioned creativity as being really important. It kind of has to be because you don't want it to get stale. That's the first step to being in the wrong headspace of, hey, I'm just going to stop doing this the way I need to or, you know, with the frequency that I need to during the off season. You never want to get to that point. Yeah, the creativity is important for multiple reasons. You don't want to let it drain you mentally because if you come into the gym or any or your exercise you know center there and you're doing the same exact thing all the time, it just gets tedious after a while. You, you know, you get to a point where it's like, all right, cool, I saw results for this amount of time, and then it's just gone. So um, you plateau real quick when you do stuff like that. So the creativity is huge, you know, and just factoring in all the things. There, there are exercises, there's programs where you can incorporate, you know, cardiovascular endurance, core strength, all in one kind of area. You don't really have to be like, okay, right now we're going to work cardio, right now we're going to work core, right now we're going to work arms. You don't have to do that. Sometimes you can do all that all at once. And for me, that's an exciting part of my job. I think that's all, like, a lot of fun is creating this kind of stuff and working with drivers and saying, you know, okay, well, this worked for so-and-so, this isn't going to work for so-and-so, and, you know, finding those strengths and weaknesses and really just running with it. Looking back on the 2017 season and kind of the compilation of everything that we've talked about in this segment this year, what highlights would you point out or what do you feel like are the most important things that we've talked about during the course of this year that kind of if you don't remember anything else remember this remember creativity I, I stress that so much remember creativity don't do the same thing over and over again put some variation into your exercises core strength core strength is huge for these drivers that your core takes such a beating and you're a lot of people make the mistake that your core is just your you know your abdominal muscles or the beach muscles as I like to call them but it's really your core your your sides your obliques come into play and also your lower back you know your lower back and your mid back factor a ton into your core so um, keeping all those strong is key because those muscles kind of hold your whole body up when you're in these cars and keep you you know and keep you strong throughout these races and then we talk about you know things like the cardiovascular endurance you got to be able to just survive these races whether it be a 25 lap feature with a really high intensity and heart rate up really high or a 500 lap race you know you got to have that endurance to get through it for sure going into next weekend with the derby we talked about it a little bit in our last segment what are the keys to these guys five flag speedway is a very grueling track it's a very unique half-mile racetrack. What's it going to take for these short track guys? I mean, yes, it's not a mile and a half. It's not going to be the major G-forces that we're used to talking about with some of the NASCAR guys, but it's still a major challenge. Yeah, no, for sure. And my favorite, uh, I really like training drivers when they're running on a short track schedule, but it's it's a lot the mental edge when it comes to any kind of short track racing. And the Snowball Derby is no exception to that kind of style of training so it's just a lot of mental preparation and knowing and, and for some of these guys it's you know okay Kyle Bush is in the race Johnny Sauter's in the race 
that gets in your head. That that is so easy to get in your head, you know, and you almost get kind of, you know, doubting of yourself. So it's just keeping yourself mentally strong. And then you get into this race and it's a short tracks. It's on the gas, on the brakes, on the gas, on the brakes, on the gas, on the brakes. So you get into that routine and you don't want to hurt yourself in the car or, you know, lose positions and all that stuff. And you start, maybe you lose a position, you lose one, you lose two, and then you just start getting mad at yourself and it all falls apart. So staying mentally tough during these, any kind of short track races, especially a big race, like the snowball derby, let alone the 50th snowball derby, like it's just going to be so hard in the brain and on what all these drivers and their thought processes and all that kind of stuff. How important is mental toughness going to be in this race? Because you see it, and you mentioned it just then, 300 laps, and that continuous repetition of gas, brake, gas, brake. I mean, you've got to not psych yourself out, and you've got to not lose that focus. Uh, I think we saw it a few years ago with... I hate to go back to the Eric Jones, Kyle Busch thing, but it's such a good example for a lot of reasons in the fact that there was no let up at the end of that race. One twitch, one mistake, one lapse in focus, and Eric Jones doesn't win that race. You have to be perfect at the end of this event. And and that's exactly it. And you go back to the question of how important is that mental toughness in this race? It's it's everything. You, you know, you go into a big race, you have the mentality of holy cow, this is the snowball derby. Like even if you're not even, if you're qualified dead last, holy crap, I'm in the snowball derby. You know what I mean? Like that is so that's a huge deal. So just going into that, it's it's just keeping yourself on your game. And then you go into each lap, and it's you know. The same, trying to run that same lap, that same lap. All right, had a, my spotter, my crew chief tells me I had a good lap. Okay, I got to do that again. What did I just do? I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just kind of doing it. So it, keeping your thoughts straight, um, not getting, uh, you know, I don't want to use the term starstruck, but I guess not getting overwhelmed with the people who are in the race with you. Um, a lot of cars going to the race, so you can't even get mentally psyched out before like qualifying and practices and all that kind of stuff. So it's huge. It's going to be everything just to keep yourself sane the, the, going into a race like the Snowball Derby. No, sanity for race car drivers. Hunter, what the heck are you talking about? No idea. I haven't had it since the day I was born, so I'm not <laughs> really sure. <laughs> All right. It's always fun talking driver fitness with Hunter. We're going to keep him around for one more segment here. When we come back, we're going to dig into our lightning round, and we're also going to talk about one of our divisions that we referenced earlier in the show because during the show, we've had a little bit of news break. So we will talk the 2018 ARCA Racing Series schedule and our lightning round on the other side of this. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people? Even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke. 
302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com. Or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Ben Rhodes and a piano. I can get used to that. Okay, we've had three <laughs> songs with Ben Rhodes on it, and I still like the first one apart from the other two. Come on. Oh, come on now, Cisco. But Ben's what's important about that whole thing. Just this is true. be okay with it. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza, and Hunter Smith going into our white flag segment. And how about... Some late breaking news going into the Thanksgiving weekend. The ARCA Racing Series presented by Menards, which we talked about earlier in the show as kind of a season in review. Now we can fully preview 2018 before our lightning round with some huge, huge news on that 20-race schedule next season for the first time in almost a decade and a half. I think the last time was 2003 or 2004. But the ARCA Racing Series going to return home here to Charlotte Motor Speedway in 2018, the Thursday night of Coca-Cola 600 weekend, pole night, and ARCA race. I'm telling you, this is huge. Gateway is back on the ARCA Racing Series schedule for the first time since 2007, and I'm going to really give you some chills right now. Hunter, the winner in that 2007 race at Gateway, the late Brian Clawson. 
Wow. This is awesome. I, you know, we just kind of discussed this, discussed this over the break, and uh, that's so cool. I, I don't even have words for it. Arca coming back to Charlotte, that's that's awesome. I, that's going to be an awesome Memorial Day weekend. Yes. You, when you consider rents that you're going to have pole qualifying for the Coca-Cola 600, the Arca Racing Series in their return to Charlotte, then the World of Outlaws at the dirt track on Friday night, a 300-miler for the Xfinity Series, and the longest race in NASCAR on Memorial Day Sunday. Are you kidding me? Not to mention the fact that the All-Star race is the week before that for the Cup Series, so you really have just a jam-packed weekend, plus the Indy 500 that they'll probably have on the big screen as well. That just perfect Memorial Day weekend for racing at Charlotte just in general. Uh, I mean, the ARCA Racing Series should have been racing at Charlotte for a long time, and I understand that you know, things didn't really work out in the contracts or what have you to bring the ARCA Racing Series back home. So to have them back at the big track at Charlotte is just amazing. They desperately needed, I think, to have the, that race run, and it, it'll be good. It'll be good, too, because then you have something to look forward to after pole qualifying because, you know, you go through pole qualifying, there's not much left, left to do now, Jacob, except sit around and wait for the next day. So I'm really excited for this. I love the fact that Gateway is also back on the schedule, too. As much as we're hyping up Charlotte, Gateway is also a really fun track. In the last couple of years, they've really revamped everything and tried to get as much as they can back into the racing circuits and on their schedule. Obviously, you know, the truck series and the Xfinity series go to Gateway. IndyCar is at Gateway. Just having ARCA is huge. I know somebody else who's excited that ARCA is going back to Gateway. Cisco Scaramuz, a Chicago native. It's another race up in, you know, in my area. And yeah, I'm more in Indy than I am in Chicago, but still... It's awesome to see Gateway getting this, and I've talked to, you know, when I was down at Gateway for, for the Bomberito Auto 500, you know, I got to meet a couple people who were from the area there, and it's such a, just a good area and market for racing because, you know, you're basically two hours from a bunch of different cities and such, so you it allows you to pull in, you know, spectators from Chicago, from Indy, from St. Louis, obviously, but also from Nashville and from all these cities around. It's right in the middle. So it's really a perfect mark. And I'm glad to see Gateway, you know, coming back and getting races back because it also represents a kind of circuit, Jacob, that's no re- not really in existence apart from Gateway. Kind of that short, kind of that flat mile and three quarter mile and a half type of tracks that we saw with Chicago Motor Speedway and with Homestead Miami. Most of those circuits are gone, save for Gateway. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that sticks out to me here in Cisco, and we were talking about this earlier in the show, coincidentally enough, the only thing that's just ever so slightly disappointing to me is that for the first time in many years on the ARCA schedule, we don't have a road course race on the calendar for 2018, and that's a little disappointing, but the rest of it, Daytona, the historic short tracks, Nashville, Salem, Toledo, you've got your Speedway tracks at Michigan, Pocono, now Charlotte, Kansas, and, you know, everything in between, Iowa, Elko, Berlin, oh, by the way, is back on the calendar in 2018 with a late July date. And, of course, the two dirt miles at Springfield and DeCoin. It really is, for the most part, uh, tremendous and a great weekend when it comes down to it. The one thing that sticks out to me 
is that the Lucas Oil Raceway event, and we talk about this because of the move of the Brickyard 400 to the final race of the regular season for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, the Lucas Oil Raceway event moves to post-Labor Day weekend on September the 7th. That, I think, is going to be a big move for that race and a big move to help the racing. When you consider a little bit cooler temperatures, guys, on a short track, oh yes, there's potential for fireworks. Yeah, there's potential for fireworks. Obviously, we're going to have to see how the weather holds up in September in the Midwest, because I can tell you living here that it could be really warm and it could actually be really nice. It could be freezing. It could be snowing. I really have no clue. But nonetheless, <laughs> that's going to be a, that's going to be a good time for that race. And Jacob, if we were going to put a road course back on there, if I had complete control of the Arca racing schedule, I'd say use the Pocono road course because why not? But why we, not? we can't have these things because I don't have that control yet. <laughs> yet. You're not king of the world yet. The other standout for me is, of course, going back to Iowa once again is always that's always been a fantastic race for them. And I think it's, you know, it's something that always stands out to me is I want to see more races at Iowa. Right. Iowa is one of the great tracks in this country for short track racing. And I'll just leave that at that. Let's move into our lightning round, gentlemen. And I'm going to start off with a fill in the blank question for everyone and we're going to go in order hunter then cisco then rents and i'll make rents wait till last just because because if it were bill bill would you know play games like that so sorry <laughs> rents you'll survive first question martin truex jr was blank after climbing from his car having won the monster energy nascar cup series championship sunday at homestead miami speedway deserving he was extremely deserving you know there's a lot of words that we could fill in you know for this here and deserving just for me comes to this word that guy ran the not even just him the whole team came together all year they put together one of the best seasons i've seen in a long time ran through all these stages anything that you could throw at them whether it was stages the regular season championship each round of the playoffs goes into this championship race does what he has to do win the race phenomenal like perfect deserving cisco martin truex jr was validated when he stepped from his car at homestead miami speedway he talked about in his post-race interview that there were several times in his oval racing career where it looked like you know there wasn't going to be any room at the end for martin or the team he was with was just not going to be able to perform to the level and be a championship caliber team well Martin got with the right guys, he got with the right team, and he pulled this race and did an amazing job. And just, you know, he validated himself and he validated this championship for him and his entire team. Rent was humbled, I'd say is the word. It's very humbling because he's seen both ends of the spectrum in the sport. He's seen almost his career go away, his girlfriend almost get taken away. And they're now they're both celebrating as champions together, both in life and on the racetrack. And it's it's almost fitting that they got that embrace before cameras really got to him and cameras did get to him, but before T V and radio got and put their microphones in his face, they were able to share that moment together. And, you know, we look at the sport as these guys that strap into race cars, but we also don't look at the sport and the fact that these are human beings that outside the racetrack have their own 
battles and issues and family things that they need to take care of. And I, you know, as much as this is great for Martin Trix Jr., I think this is greater for Sherry Pollock's because she's someone who's fought and fought and fought time and time again. And to see her experience the joy that Martin is also experiencing is just one of the best things I think I've ever seen in the sport. Next question. William Byron made iRacing blank when he won the 2017 NASCAR Xfinity Series championship over the weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. If it wasn't already, he made it relevant. He, I mean, I think iRacing has proved itself this day and age with the sport, but the kid has really not the amount of years of racing an actual car that some of these other drivers have had and goes out and has an awesome rookie season. Granted, he's, you know, in top-notch equipment and whatnot, but, you know, awesome season, goes out, wins the championship, races hard for it. So he made iRacing relevant if they have if people haven't seen it already. William Byron made iRacing's forums explode when he won the Xfinity championship, and I could tell you because I was there and I was reading them. The outpouring of just, I don't know if it was a cross between bewilderment, excitement, shock, awe, I don't know. It was a combination of all of those things. And for for that entire community coming, you know, watching someone who had grown up on the sim be out, be able to go out there and win a top level NASCAR championship. It's something that, you know, a lot of people on that service aren't going to have the ability to do, you know, even despite, you know, iRacing holding a NASCAR championship of their own. Still, it is very hard to go out and win a peak antifreeze series championship. Uh, let alone a NASCAR Xfinity Series championship. So I think there's a lot of assumed camaraderie with it, just down to the fact that, you know, he's doing the same thing that thousands of people do every day on iRacing. And, you know, he came up through the ranks of doing that. And I know down from the, you know, everybody from the 700 iRacing or iRating to the Real Fallas and to the Ryan Luzas were just thrilled to see it. I'd say he made it popular. He made it more popular, really. I mean, we have Tony Stewart that's racing on iRacing right now. He's gotten into it. Dale Earnhardt Jr. obviously helped create iRacing. And when you see a guy like William Byron that years ago asked Landon Castle for advice on iRacing about a setup during a pole challenge that Castle had done, it's come a long way. I mean, it's the most accurate simulation to any race car track car ever. All laser scanned, and I know we have all tried our hand in iRacing. I know that for a fact. You know, for some of us, it's going to be, and for majority of the people who don't have the money, Cisco said, that's going to be the closest they're ever going to get to racing. And you can still race against the best. I know that William Byron still races on iRacing. I know Dale Hart Jr. does a little bit of iRacing here and there. I said Tony Stewart, Ty Majeski, who has the greatest iRating of anyone ever in iRacing and is in the Xfinity Series and will be racing in the Xfinity series on a part-time basis in the 60 car next year. He's in iRacing. It's not just a game anymore. This is becoming a step in motorsports where it's cost-effective. It's a way for guys to get more seat time because you can't test anymore. This is the way we're going, and iRacing is going to be the future for young and -and up-and-coming drivers. Final question, about 15 seconds apiece, so be concise here. I predict very, very early, that blank will win the 50th running of the Snowball Derby. Noah Gregson, plain and simple. 
Chase Purdy. John Hunter Nemechek. Well, so Rents is the only one that believes in a repeat winner. Can I disagree with all of you? Not that I've answered the go other two it. questions. You're going to anyway, so go ahead. Kyle Busch wins the 50th running of the Snowball really? Derby. I believe he's going to do it. I heard he's pretty good. <laughs> he knows a thing or two. Did he? Has he won a championship before in something? Yeah, I feel like oh, he's won man, a couple of them. I don't know, man. <laughs> All right, guys. With that, we're going to bring a close to this edition of the Stock Car Show. As always, want to thank all our listeners as well as the friends that we have at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, for what they do to make this show possible. Visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com or just head into one of their two locations in Danvers, Massachusetts, or Mooresville, North Carolina. Joe Marco and all the staff will be glad to help you out with all your safety needs. Also, special thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, our social media partners at Three Wide Life for what they do for this show, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, and all the staff here at the Performance Motorsports Network that keep us up and running on the air each and every day. So for Cisco Scaramuza, Kyle Souza, Rents Brown, and Hunter Smith, as well as Tom Baker, who's down in Batesville, Mississippi, for the O'Reilly National Indoor Kart Championship, I'm Jacob Sewell, reminding you to keep it off the wall, folks. And if you head to a racetrack over this Thanksgiving holiday weekend, we hope you have a safe racing weekend and a safe Thanksgiving holiday with your family and friends Till we meet again. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on the program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.